Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, Blade Disgusting's horror video game podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bolt. And this week we're celebrating the 10-year anniversary of Firaxis Games' seminal turn-based strategy game, XCOM Enemy Unknown, in which the player takes on the role of the commander, who's tasked with repelling an alien invasion of Earth through combat missions and base management. We'll chat about how Enemy Unknown brought XCOM back to its strategy core roots, its defining qualities as an all-time turn-based strategy series, and I'm sure we'll make time to sing XCOM 2's praises as well. But it isn't just Neil and I this week assigning engineers and missing point-blank range shots, as we're joined once again by Blade Disgusting contributor, game designer, and friend of the show, Aaron Baim. Aaron, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me. This is one of my all-time favorite... uh series, so I'm glad to be on board for this one. I was going to say that you're in a good company then, because XCOM's a series that, you know, I always mention it. Neil and I, when we were starting the podcast, you know, we had our own mental checklists of games that we have to cover at some point. XCOM, you know, was probably like the second game Neil mentioned, (laughs) if not the first. (laughs) Um, And it's definitely a game series that I've enjoyed uh, multiple iterations of. So while, you know, we are all on the, uh, the same sort of foundation of loving XCOM, um, for you, though, Aaron, I want to know kind of what about XCOM really makes it a standout, you know, from other strategy titles that you've uh, been a fan of, whether they're turn-based or otherwise. I think it's just the way that all the systems so smartly interlock, like everything about it just moves so well together. Um, not like you have the the really well thought out like battle layer of it, which is always exhilarating. You know, there's so many interesting um, you know, choices about, you know, risk and mitigating, you know, uh, coming harm and figuring out how to, how to position yourself and just so many different, uh, different layers to just that. And then it has this, um, other strategy layer of trying to, you know, upgrade things and, um, you know, progress the plot and all that sort of stuff. And they all just work together perfectly. Like I've played some other tactics games, um, that, that do the battle part well, but it really is that adding in of the, of the strategy layer. That's kind of the secret sauce that makes everything sing so well. Um, and just the, the synergy between those two is, is out of this world. Yeah. You know, that's probably the reason why, you know, if somebody were to ask me, you know, how many hours of an experience is XCOM? It's like, that's not something that I can really answer <laughs> because every single time I'm like, Oh, well, I think I'm getting a little burnt out on this most recent run. I'm going to take a break. I either unlock something or I, you know, unlock the next story mission or activity that really does kind of just send me down another rabbit hole of another 10 hours, another 12 hours, because the smallest of changes can fundamentally like rewrite the way that I've been playing for, you know, however many tens or in some cases, maybe a hundred hours previously. Um, for you, Neil, like what about XCOM makes it a standout for you amongst, you know, your favorite games? You know, it was only this week that it really dawned on me quite what it is about it that makes me come back time and again and why I enjoy it. And I think it's because it reminds me of football, you know, and how I play football games. It's you are basically, you know, you're organizing a club, a team, same thing. You're going through the highs and lows of a season, so to speak. And, you know, all the big bad things that can happen in that and all the last minute drama and those little organic moments that happen via player control and player decisions. You know, obviously this takes it to a more dramatic level. And, uh, you know, it's unscripted drama for you. And yeah, I suppose that really does just do it for me because I think it was, it was just occurred, <laughs> it occurred to me when playing the latest FIFA and just thinking, 
Yeah, you get the odd scripted last minute, you know, winner or heartbreaking equaliser, but it doesn't feel as strong a feeling now as, you know, many football games I've played over the years have. And then going back to XCOM 2 again, this um, last week or so, it's just like it still throws up these mission parameters and things that just hit you and you go, oh, Christ, I didn't prepare for that. Or, right, if I take this team out for this match, if you will, um, I think I've got a good idea of what I've got to go up against. But then there's always something you forget, always one little detail, always one thing, or you don't bring along the right equipment for something or you forget you're in a region that where you know one of the chosen is in that game, and it just gets messy, and then you just think you're doomed. And yeah, you know, I mean, at one point this week, I left it at a point where I was basically surrounded, I had to get out, not looking good, and like the and I just thought, I don't know if I want to come back to that. It's going to be too stressful. Came back to it, skin of my teeth, nobody died. It's like that, and it's just like, and that's all through thinking, you know, thinking, and it just the fact that it allows you to stop and think, but whilst also being able to make rash decisions and and to suffer the consequences of them, is just endlessly you know, <laughs> entertaining for me. I think I was always a big fan of like strategy games growing up, like real time mm. strategy games, um, but at a certain point, like they just got too fast for me. Like I just can't process it but i really still like um making all the decisions about like you know how you want to build your army yeah upgrade your even you know within a mission upgrade your tech trees and all that sort of stuff um and and playing a a more tactical turn-based thing is is the exact like distillation of what i liked about strategy games but in a in a way that i can like you said like take your time think about it and and really um are able to process it and 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 it's not like that makes it easier, you know. It almost no. makes it more challenging because you're you're looking at all the <laughs> angles, and you can uh, you start really you know planning four moves ahead of like you know well if I move this guy here, that guy's going to see me and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's just such a it's such a, a rich combat experience. Um, mm. And like you said, sometimes those times when you just come by the skin of your teeth are so satisfying. Like there's nothing in <laughs> nothing in games that's as satisfying as just like seeing an overwhelming squad of enemies thinking you're completely screwed and then yeah. being like, wait a minute, here it is. And then setting <laughs> up like the perfect way to take it all out. And it's just, it's awesome. Mm, absolutely. It's funny how the, you know, standard mechanic of turn-based and how you can take your time can actually make, be a detriment at times as well, right? This thing where you start overanalyzing a situation and then you're like, oh, well, I could, you know, do this route or this. And then all of a sudden you kind of are just like, okay, you need to pick a decision and make a decision and stick with that and own, you know, whatever consequences come from that. But, you know, one thing that I've always appreciated the most about XCOM, more so than any other turn-based strategy games I've played, is that, you know, I'm thinking more along the lines of like my experience with turn-based RPGs or something like mm-hmm. that, where, you know, you're going to hit certain milestones or bosses, if you will, that if you haven't been, you know, really stat crunching certain character and making sure you have a build that's working in sync with uh, the other abilities that you have, there are certain points where it feels like, okay, I can't get past this unless I'm grinding. And, you know, as difficult as XCOM can be, you know, as uh, as final as some of those consequences can be from poor decision-making or poor planning, you know, XCOM is the one strategy game I always come back to that still has this 
sort of randomized element to it that can make it be an encounter that you just barely survive by mm. the skin of your teeth, even if you haven't been paying attention to you know, making sure you've been researching new weapons or new armor or, you know, utilizing some of those other equipments, you know, granted, all of those things are imperative to getting past a certain point in the game and making sure that, you know, you don't just run through rookies or seasoned squaddies <laughs> every mission. But it is the type of thing, though, that I still find that there's a chance of luck that plays into XCOM in a way that, you know, I played recently and I was about to get a squad wiped out and I had one critical sniper shot that downed this like serpent boss, if you will. Um, and it completely saved that run. And, you know, my guys were out for the next week while they were healing, but I still got to beat that mission and not have maybe uh, a demoralizing moment, which then I was like, okay, maybe I'll take a break from this and worry about, you know, upgrading some of my new rookies, uh, which has always been a quality of XCOM that keeps me mm-hmm. coming back. Then mm-hmm. I never burn out on XCOM really. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, it's always the thing where, you know, the last second I could do something that, you know, has this randomized effect and it just uh, ends up saving that current run for me. It gives you that real feeling of like dice rolls and like a tabletop yeah. stuff, you know, like I, I don't, I hadn't played D and D by the time I played this, but like, you know, that, that um, setting yourself up and then getting the, the great dice roll is such a like, you know, stand up and cheer moment. <laughs> like you were saying like that perfect <laughs> sniper shot that just crit hits. Um, and it's interesting because I was also, um, I don't remember if this, it, it was a long time ago. I don't remember if it was a Twitter thread or an interview with one of the designers on this, but like they do, they do lie to you with those percentages, um, yeah. in ways to make <laughs> you like either, either like, um, you know, move you to making, uh, to actually taking the shot, whether it's, you know, giving, telling you it's a little more of a percentage or a little less of a percentage than it actually is. Um, or like, I think there's even maybe something where if you, if you miss a certain amount of times, they'll just, no matter what the hit percentage is, they'll just give you one just to, just to make sure you'd still feel satisfying and you don't just feel like you're being screwed over by the random number generator. I feel like I've seen behind the Wizard of Oz curtain. I did not know that, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, I, there's something to that, I think. And, you know, it goes the other way as well, where it's like, okay, I can pull off this crazy crit or shot that saves a mission, but you know, as we've, I'm sure anybody that's played XCOM has joked, there have been plenty of instances where you're standing next to a, a uh, alien and you miss it point blank range, right? So it does roll both ways. Um, but I think that that unknowing factor is balanced out in a way that, you know, again, I don't feel that I've ever really truly burnt out in XCOM. It's why all these years later, I still end up coming back and running new campaigns in between playing other games, or if I have a night off and don't want to watch a movie. I'm just like, oh, you know, I'll run a couple missions in that and try out a new strategy or boost a few promising looking squaddies. Yeah, it's just got that magical appeal. And it's not just the elation part, it's the despair. Again, this comes from sports games. It's, it, a good one will give you the satisfaction of defeat and, and taking a real hit because you, you'll want to regroup, you'll want to make the comeback, you'll want to claw your way back into the fight. And yeah, it's just one of the best feelings when you've, you know, taken a great squad out, fucked it completely, and they you know, had them massacred basically. And then, I mean, it's definitely true with Enemy Unknown and uh, Within, it happened a lot more to me because I was sort of getting used to it again. But yeah, it's just that and then building up a new squad of underlings or the, the understudies, if you will, and having them sort of take over and eventually win a campaign for you is just oh beautiful and just like again the little 
personal drama moments they give you in each thing. Like a thing I used to do again, the, the comparison is very apt here with uh, sports games is when I used to play pairs and do the master league season, you know, I would make a team full of people I knew, you know, and we'd do like that. And I'd make sure that it was, so it's friends and family through a campaign and, and you can sort of see the stats and see who becomes the top scorer, who's a great defender, who's going to make the blunder that cost you the cup final. And then that translated really well to XCOM, you know, where it's like, where to this day, I just make, I make the roster, you know, the, the character pool in, just full of everyone, uh, you know, and like it's, um, and then of course it comes up randomly. So you can be an enemy, you could be a thing that, uh, unit is kidnapping or, an engineer or a scientist or a soldier or whatever. And it's, yeah. And the way it changes things up each time and how someone could be the hero or, you know, your best friend or your brother could die in, in the finale and make the, the honorable sacrifice. <laughs> I remember that actually in like the first time I beat Enemy Unknown that, um, one of the characters was my brother and he literally just had, he was the only person who could make a shot. But doing so instead of moving and and getting out of the way would mean that he'd die for sure because there was no way he would have got in the car. And I was like, so it's like gambling, like, oh, what am I going to do? It's like I could, but then everyone else could get damaged by this. And yeah, of course, that happened, killed, but next turn, mission ended, done, beat the game. And it was like, it's just burned in my mind to this day, you know, every campaign ends with something dramatic and drastic and someone falls and someone comes to the rescue and it's just a lovely little changing story every time you go for it. XCOM is probably the most anecdotal game I think I've ever played. And, Mm. you know, that's something that you could say about, you know, probably a handful of games, but so many of those like anecdotal moments, you know, it doesn't feel as if you are playing as critical of a role in an engagement as you are with something like XCOM, like Neil just said. And the personalization aspect is something that they've really stuck with from Enemy Unknown all the way up to, you know, where we're at now with XCOM. And it was something that I remember when I had gotten back into XCOM and started playing XCOM 2, it was a feature that I completely overlooked. I was like, I'm not really into character customization stuff anyways. But mm-hmm. the fact that you can start to, you know, give almost a semblance of a personality to these squad mates and the consequences yeah. are so dire a majority of the time, it is quite literally life or death on a turn by turn basis at a certain point in the campaign. I mean, even early on, you know, it comes back to, yeah. you know, if you have a rookie and you have to put them in a situation they're not ready for, like, you better be the best tactician of all time because they're only going to take <laughs> one or two blows before they fall. Um, and that just anecdotal nature I find, you know, it's great to share those moments with people, but more importantly, the potential for more little moments like that is, again, what come, keeps me coming back to XCOM. Um, and, you know, yeah. again, having uh, procedurally generated maps and things like that help the further into the series you get. But it's more about, you know, facilitating those little moments that, you know, you end up with no fingernails by the end of some of those. <laughs> Yeah, one of one of my favorite anecdotes is actually one I use a lot when you know people are. There's always that conversation in 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 games about like you know if it what is what is story you know like is the story like the the cutscenes and all that sort of stuff or can is story like you know about the little moments you find throughout or like things that come up through through random seeds and stuff like that because you know the story of this game isn't anything like you know 
super sophisticated you know it's a pretty standard uh you know independence day alien invasion type situation um but I always remember i guess this was when i played enemy within the expansion um at the very beginning of the game i had two characters that were i i don't name them i i just let the i just let the you know <laughs> let the system name them all um and uh at the beginning two of them came up uh two of my starting soldiers came up with the same last name so in my head i was like oh these two are siblings that's fun <laughs> you know so that was like my thing i was just like yeah you know one of them can be you know put them as two different classes and let the you know let them uh they they um put them out on missions together and then one time um one of them got injured on a, on a on a really huge mission they got like really critically injured um and at that exact moment i unlocked the ability to make the like um cyborg soldiers so i was like oh the brother is going to become a cyborg to avenge his <laughs> to avenge his, his sibling and then after um after you know progressed a little bit further the brother took a huge hit and then the sister was like, oh, I'm going to become a genetic soldier, one of the, the genetic yeah. soldiers, because I had just unlocked that. And then they were the two I took to, all the way to the end. <laughs> and um, nice. they, they, they were the two survivors at the very end. So it was like this, this strange, um, you know, coincidence from a random number generator that made this uh, narrative that you'd see in a film, you know? So just, you know, something like that, that just came completely organically and isn't going to be anyone else's experience. Um and I always think that's just so so unique and one of the one of the coolest things about like procedurally generated missions and and uh, all all sorts of things like that is that you can sometimes come to these these really really neat stories that that just um, feel like you you found them instead of just we're told them. Yeah. And that's I mean like as you describe the main story of XCOM and the plot right it it is something that is just serviceable for what it needs to do. And you create your own stories that end up being far more, you know, when you have a game such as this, that the gameplay is the star of the show, if you will, you know, that is the type of storytelling that you would want your gameplay to, uh, you know, generate organically, uh, rather than, you know, I don't know, the parts of XCOM that have never really worked for me is when they try to start establishing certain characters and then using that as a reason to go off on this mission or something. And I'm just like, well, Whatever I end up experiencing is more or less going to be more interesting um, just because of these things that we've been mentioning. Um, you know, to build off of that example that you had, Aaron, not to jump too far away from uh, Enemy Unknown, but, you know, that was one of the coolest additions that was in uh, XCOM 2's expansion, War of the Chosen, was the bound system where, you know, squaddies will actually develop a relationship that ends up having, you know, attributes and, you know, of course, the, every, like everything in XCOM, it's two-sided. You know, if they are deployed together and they are in close proximity for a lot of these fights, then they get bonuses basically when they're deployed together. But if something happens to them, one of them either is killed or is wounded to the point that they can't be deployed, then there's a negative attribute to that or they'll panic or something. Mm -hmm. But little mechanics like that I loved seeing included farther down the XCOM line because – it's strengthening the core mechanics that are already there, but also it's getting it's uh, fueling this kind of camaraderie that you yourself are creating with these characters that is, again, very anecdotal. Um, and seeing that actually flesh out from a gameplay standpoint, I just love to see. Um, that's something I've seen a lot in like, you know, again, talking about like D&D &D and tabletop stuff is like some of the times um, some more modern tabletop RPGs have ways of um, – 
actually, um, you know, adding game mechanics that are about the bonds between the two players rather than just, you know, letting whatever happens at the table and, you know, your D&D session um, be the bond. Like there are some RPGs that actually have like, you know, specific stats and specific benefits that come with um, come with like bonds that are developed between the players as you play um, and are rewarded with with bonuses. So I think I think it's really smart to to try and find ways to um combine mechanics and story in in and i think that's one of the one of the cooler ones in xcom too for sure yeah it's got um so much that adds um you know go it adds back to the original story anyway um i love the fact that, that game takes the enemy unknowns slash within the story and just says you didn't win yeah because obviously the idea is that the idea that one of your failed campaigns is the catalyst for what happens is just amazing. I love that. And it just it feels like a proper fit for what XCOM 2 does. But also, yeah, I, I liked having returning characters, you know, for those people who worked with, you know, as much as they were like, I, I liken it to the jump between Half-Life 1 and 2. That of like, these are just people in the background, blah, 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 blah. Mm. They're, they're doing a job. And then they get all fleshed out in the sequel and become a bigger part. And those DLC things, you know, as well with, um, the, the Shenster. Yeah. And so, yeah. And the same applies with XCOM 2, where you have like the, the Shen stuff and that, where you can go and sort of visit the history of those who aren't with you anymore and, and the weird shit that's happened <laughs> while you were away. But yeah. It's really cool, but I do kind of admire. Enemy Unknown's simplicity, because I think that is what gives it a lot of freedom in imagination. Uh, you are able to just sort of run with it however you want, because it's such a base template of like aliens have invaded, blah blah blah. You you've got to fight back like that. But you know you are on the front foot in that game. You know you have the, the manpower, you have the arsenal, you have everything else. But and then of course by the time you get to two, it's the opposite. You're on. You know, you're on the defensive constantly trying to sort of keep a step ahead of a force that is bigger than yours and more powerful than yours which makes you know that journey especially great yeah i it's hard to go back to the original not the original original but this just because of that but you know I, i still like to because i think there's just certain missions and certain things that happen especially in enemy within that you know with the reason that suddenly i was back in love with XCOM, you know, after all these years and like really like, wow, yeah, I needed this. I needed this to be like this. I get that. And, you know, I'm not going to try to make a comparison between Enemy Unknown and XCOM 2's like enemy design, but because I think they both have great enemy variety and the types of creatures that you fight, it starts off very traditional, but then it, you know, blossoms into something that is wholly unique to XCOM. But I have gone back to Enemy Unknown just to see some of those earlier enemies, like the, you know, the thin men, which are basically supposed to be aliens that are disguised as people, or the more traditional, you know, gray, big dome-headed little Martians. And, you know, I have always been a huge fan of just the creature design in those games. And the fact that the further into the game you get, you know, of course, things are going to become more difficult to fight. They're going to have new abilities, more armor, more weapons and whatnot. But the you still get to see like some of those early guys that get thrown into the mix, if you will. Um, I don't know. XCOM has always had 
I've always been a fan of the art style that those games have had also. So, you know, getting to see the various creature designs and uh, you never really lose any of them in the mix, I suppose. Once you get towards the end game, they still pop up here and there. Um, and that's always been a uh, an element of XCOM's aesthetic that I've appreciated because it goes a little more traditional route in terms of, you know, what people expect of aliens. But then, you know, they have these crazy amalgamations of high tech infused yeah. like brute enemies and whatnot. And the bosses, you know, they get a little more uh, sorcerer-esque, if you will. Um, but I guess, you know, for you guys, what was your first experience with XCOM? What was sort of your starting point uh, with the franchise? Neil, for you. Enemy Unknown, the original Enemy Unknown. Oh, so um, <laughs> back in, in the 90s. Um, yeah, XCOM was part of that collective of PC games that I got sort of lumped in with, with the uh, legitimate stuff um, my uncle got us for, for our PC. And yeah, you know, I had that and Terror from the Deep. Yeah, to go with and yeah, Terror from the Deep was then quickly one of my favorite games to play because of it had elements of what, you know, I would come to love about the later games. You know, about, um, you know, here's your team of people, here's this brutal, you know, way of playing things. And I was really into that sort of schlocky 50s B-movie style sci-fi, which, you know, again, I love the fact that that's echoed later when they do reboot the series. And yeah, it just worked really well for me and kind of fell off it after a while, despite playing a few of them. But yeah, it's just weirdly. I never even thought about it being something I want to get back into because generally strategy don't care for it. This is the, the yeah, strange thing about this, but you can get into strategy in such roundabout ways. And again, like I was saying about playing sports games and you know playing league things and managing teams and doing stra- that's that's a level of strategy. And the, that what Firaxis then did was very translatable. And, and adaptable to that. So yeah, it's a long, long relationship with it, where it's I sort of, it disappeared from my life and then came back at probably just the right time. I think it was a, one of the first year of PS Plus. Um, on PS3, it came out as a Plus game, like a few months after it came out. And I was like, yeah, why not? I'll try it now. And it's like, having tried the demo and thinking it was okay. And yeah, just hooked again. It was like, um, it's great. But yeah, it's a series that's always had something I liked about it in that regard. How about you, Aaron? What was your introduction to uh, XCOM? Uh, this this uh, 2012 one, the XCOM Enemy Unknown, was the first one I had played. Um, I was, I think, when the original came out, it was when I was had like a weird relationship with PC games. Like I was mostly a mostly a console mm. gamer growing up for the most part, so um, I didn't really touch too many PC games aside from maybe some, you know, a couple. RTS games like StarCraft and Command and Conquer and stuff like that never ended up going into things like XCOM. Um, but yeah, I tried it. I actually ended up playing it on PlayStation 3 as well. Um, so, which is a, not necessarily the ideal way to play it, but I'm glad that they, I'm glad that they did a lot of work to make yeah. it work on modern consoles rather than with a mouse and keyboard. It's, it's surprisingly intuitive, um, to do with, uh, you know, with a controller, even though it's clearly built for, mouse and keyboard but um yeah that was the way i first played it and then you know immediately you know got the enemy within and then xcom 2 and all that i I, yeah i would but it was the it was the recent ones that that got me and sort of again reinvigorated my love for tactics games like i had played some more like strategy rpgs um back when i was younger like um 
Like, I remember um, Front Mission 3 being a big one on the PlayStation, which was like, you know, mm. a, a mecha game, uh, which was pretty neat. Um, and that one was the first one I was like, whoa, it's like chess, but with, you know, <laughs> with guns. This is sick. <laughs> um, uh, and then I just never, and, and since I didn't really play too many PC games at that time, I wasn't really finding that experience as much. And then when when XCOM Enemy Unknown came out, I was like, ah, yes, this old <laughs> friend. <laughs> um, and got back yeah, into it and really it, hard. It's one of those that just ends up being an opinion shifter you know, for me. Like I said, it's like I didn't really care for the strategy then, before then. Um, because as you said, I was, I was very much in the console space, generally speaking, but even in the PC space, I was first person shooters, you know, got, you know, it's the dawn of online play and that was everything, you know, but, um, yeah, it's something that changed my opinions in much of the way that stuff like Borderlands changed my you know, opinion on the whole RPG systems thing, which I always found to be very intimidating and too much, you know, for many years, with the exception of what Final Fantasy VIII and maybe Oblivion, but that was the first time it really clicked with me and went, "Oh, I get it now," because it was explained in a dumb person way, as they, as they put it. You're like, "Oh, here you go. Here's here's your big dumb RPG idea with guns," and I said, and it worked in much the same way as the strategy thing worked. You just put the right topping on and you lead it. That's it. And um, then you like, oh, you realize all along you love the taste of this and, and you want more of it. Um, problem is chasing the XCOM high has been difficult because, as you were saying earlier, Aaron, finding something that gets the balance just right is so hard, even from the people that made, you know, the original uh, XCOM. You know, they, they've come close, but, you know, there's always been something that felt a little off. Um, so I think it's probably one of the, closer sort of examples isn't it um phoenix point that's the one i think of yeah um which i was very excited for when it was coming but yeah it ended up being very bit of a shrug but at the time i th- i think just to add as well the whole thing about playing it on ps3 i think at that time the sign of a really good game was you would put up with any bullshit that the ps3 would um, offer um skyrim being another good example of that um, where, you know, everyone was like, oh, it's terrible, it's buggy, blah, blah, blah. And there's me putting 200 hours in and being not a care in the world. And like XCOM 2, like, I was devastated that I didn't have a powerful enough PC to play it when it came out on PC. And I felt totally bummed out. And of course, the console version wasn't a thing at that point. So it was very much a case of like, well, what are we going to We're never going to get this, are we? And then it did come. And that was buggy as hell on ps4 and got better for a bit but then for access kind of don't leave you know they, they kind of leave it somewhere and they go yeah we've done as much as we can but it's one of those games that very much feels like a throwback to the ps3 era where the longer you go the more complicated the things happen the more chance that the game will just stop and slow down for long periods of time and it's just the fact that i put hundreds of hours into it and it didn't matter yeah, and I could do that was great. But you know, the last few years since having an Xbox, and you know the, the natural improvements that brings to the game, it's like playing it the way it was intended all along. You know, it's like oh, it's amazing. You know, I mean, I could play it on PC the same, but I don't know. I'm so used to playing on console now that it's um feels a natural fit. 
Yeah, I was going to say, you know, this last week and just spending far more time playing XCOM 2 than I thought I was going to and playing the Xbox One version or uh, playing on my Xbox Series S instead of the PS4 version that I had. Um, it was like experiencing it for the first time. You know, those speeds obviously loads up lightning fast. Those animations are quick and crisp. And uh, yeah, just not having to wait up to 60 to 70 seconds for a mission to load uh, resulted in a lot of less productivity this week than I thought, but still time uh, well spent. But I'm curious, you know, Neil, since you're the one that has probably the most experience out of us with the original XCOM, because I tried to go back and play the original ones after coming to Enemy Unknown. And, you know, there I'm sure there are still plenty of diehard old school XCOM fans, but it was a little too archaic for me to get into at that point <laughs> after playing Enemy Unknown. So I was like, I think I'm just going to stick with Enemy Unknown. Was there anything lost in that transition from the original ones to, you know, Enemy Unknown era and further? I think it's just the ambiguity of it. Um, and even so, you know, Firaxis's modern versions are very much still complex for the average gamer, but I think the landscape changed so much by the time it came out. And to put it on console and make it a console game, there had to be simplifications. I think, you know, I think that's why the modding community has made it you know, those games so expansive afterwards. You know, and made them these bigger, more complex things that like they probably would have been had we not you know, moved forward as an industry as we had. Um, so yeah, that's it. But I think the trade-off there is that it finds ways to tell the stories still and tell them in a more in-depth way. Um, and I like that about it. But yeah, I think if you want like more ambiguity, uh, Xenonauts is there. That, that's, uh, you know, like a good compromise between what was and what is, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, it's still not the most appealing thing if you are very much honed on modern XCOM. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the original games, I play them for nostalgia now and again, but yeah, even I have a slight tear in my eye playing Terror from the Deep and thinking, well, you know, we could have had this again, you know, because the end of XCOM 2 basically teases as much, but, and, yeah. Of course, they went off and did something else instead. So, <laughs> but yes, um, so yeah, it, it's a bit sad, but yeah, that's just the march of time, and um, they're still there as the influence point and the legacy point. And you know, Julian Gollop is still out there getting to make stuff, you know, like Phoenix Point. So, I'm happy for for that. It's a good compromise, all being said and done. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to dive into something that you have mentioned, uh, and that is, you know, a couple of other games that have come out that have tried to capture that XCOM magic mm. and formula, but, you know, to varying degrees fell short of that. Um, so I'd like to, when we come back, kind of dive more into the base management, how that works so seamlessly with the combat missions and these things, and how XCOM has essentially made this formula that, you know, on paper, some might say is simple, but... We haven't really truly seen it replicated to the same degree. Uh, but I think we'll dive into that a little bit more when we come back from our break. And we're back from our break chatting XCOM. And I'd like to dive into those base management uh, aspects of the XCOM franchise, because that really does seem to be the key in making XCOM 
uh, a standout from other, you know, turn-based strategy titles that, you know, we've all played. And not to say that, you know, there aren't plenty of other great turn-based strategy games out there, but XCOM really seems to have this formula that not a lot of people have been able to replicate if anybody has. So Aaron, for you, like, what about the base management is done in a way that it complements the gameplay that much more i think it's this this like beautiful power curve that you're like in charge of is like you know you're you're trying to balance you know the choices are what make games interesting in a lot of ways you know choices and seeing reactions to it and like it's it's so interesting to see like oh you know or maybe i like snipers so i'm going to focus on you know um researching this the the gun that's better for snipers or i'm gonna you know upgrade what you know i'm it's like this power curve that that makes you feel more like a badass as you go without ever like making you letting you roll through things like it's 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 such a smart uh such a smart balance in this game that that you are kind of in control of because there's there's definitely this idea of like Maybe there are some things in there that are that are more optimized than others. Like you know, you should definitely always be getting towards you know things that help you heal your units faster. Or you know, but other than that, it's it's really up to like emphasizing the way you play and like figuring out what what you like and letting you build up things how you like. Whether that's you know, um, sending out certain certain soldiers to get them level ups or getting the specific type of tech you're looking for, and you're also all balancing that while you're trying to move forward the mission the 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 story itself because you can definitely spin your wheels a lot and keep doing research but never end up actually progressing the the one story beat forward that you need to do um and i think that that balance is so key and also um just the ways it extends into um into the actual moment to moment battles is important as well like you know it's it's interesting that when you're doing the the battles you have to also be thinking mm-hmm. about the long term effects like you know you have those moments where you know you have to you know it's going to be so much better if you capture an alien versus if you kill it and it's like man i really need to get out <laughs> of this mission i am about to die but i ha- it's it's is it worth is it worth sacrificing a soldier to capture the alien? Like you, you're doing all these, these interesting cost benefit analysis things like on the fly moment to moment. Um, and, uh, it's always fun when you're looking at that, both that short term and the long term at the same time, because it's such a, it's such an intricate little, little web of interconnecting systems that they have going on. And that's what I, that's what I really find, find yeah, interesting about hard, it. Hard to disagree on any of that. Um, so what I'll add is that I like that in both uh, games, if you're going to call them both rather than four, because it, then mm-hmm. it's that they start making the base feel more important um, outside the management thing. Mm-hmm. They make it feel like an actual thing. It's very easy to just get look at it as a menu screen of like, oh, here's this, 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 do that. And But each game has something about it that, brings you into realizing its worth in enemy within it's that fantastic mid-game mission where you get invaded in your own base and like they're coming through the walls effectively and you have you're basically in a siege and unexpected the first time that happens it's just like what the fuck you know because it changes the dynamic so much i think that's only in enemy within if i remember because i think it was in unknown i think they added it after 
You can get boarded or something in XCOM yeah. 2, can't yeah, you? Yeah, in XCOM 2. You get boarded or, yeah. Yeah, so in XCOM 2, yeah, you can get shot down effectively um, and have to, you know, have you know, deploy whoever's available, whether they're injured or whatever. And um, mm-hmm. have so if that comes at a bad time, and you've got like everyone, <laughs> people available who haven't buggered off on some secret mission, uh, like the rookies you left at home. Um, yeah. And the people who were injured, it's going to be a slog, but oh God, again, it's just, again, a, a reversal in so many ways. Um, XCOM 2 anyway, but that also is because you have to go on the offensive to defend that, you know, you have to, keep pushing out, have to keep pushing out. Whereas in Enemy Within, when you have that siege, you're very much cooped up in there and having to hold it out because you can't move, you can't go anywhere. Whereas the objective with the, you know, the the base in uh, the Avenger in um, XCOM 2, you know, it's a mobile base that they can take anywhere, but anywhere they can go anywhere is they take out the, the immediate threat. So yeah, having to be aggressive and not let them get too close is just, yeah, I, I love that. Um, yeah, and so in both cases, it makes you feel for the place you're in and makes it feel like a thing worth protecting and not just like a menu screen where this is what i got to do, this, that's what i got to do. So yeah, I think that adds something great to you know the tactical and mechanical layer of everything you do in that base. And much like your soldiers, it makes it something that you you grow an affinity for you know that you well end up thinking mm-hmm. well it's this mine it's built in my image you know i want it to survive i want it to be okay and so yeah it's a smart thing to do and you know that it's done really well yeah it's again it's that that melding of like gameplay and you know mechanics with the interesting mm. like story and uh you know uh, personality like it's it's so smart to make that like you said it could just be a, a series of menus that you just like oh i'm just going to research this but instead you're like building something or you're research or you're like you know doing an alien autopsy yeah. and that's going to give you some sort of bonus or you're researching some sort of gun and that's going to give you a bonus um and it's all tied into this you know the the, the themes and narratives and and um yeah you know the Rather than just being like the wireframe, yeah, and you can see the difference um, from this to Civilization, mm-hmm. you know, if, which Firaxis also also make, and how it does many of the same things in terms of research and things, and what what, and it all feels very static and by comparison, you know, I still I love Civilization, you know, that's um for what it is, but you know, you can see night and day the difference there and how much you care about what you're making in XCOM compared to Civilization where you'd very much feel like, well, I'm just trying to be the first to beat the game. You know, that's it. It's like, which is a you know, different dynamic, not really a criticism of Civilization. It just shows you that you can do the same kind of things in two different ways. And I really like the way that they do it with XCOM. Well, in XCOM too, it's quite literally life and death, mission to mission, mm. right? So the fact that if you're going to be having the player, you know, invest, especially with like thinking about new firearms or armor, right? Some of those things can take like 20 days to research. So they need to, the improvements that those bring need to be immediate when you actually go into the field and use them. It's not this thing where it's like, okay, well, it takes 20 days and then, you know, you'll see this minor improvement, like especially early on and even later in the game, you know, those improvements that you're researching can be drastic. But as Aaron said, even though you are having drastic improvements to the amount of damage you can give or take. 
at the same time, you're never rolling through encounters. And it has a little bit to do, I think, with what Neil was talking about with that invasion aspect of Enemy Within that, you know, later in the game, I find with XCOM 2 and War of the Chosen, they do such a great job of throwing you curveballs late in missions. Like I played a mission I mentioned at the top of the show where I was looking for somebody that had gone missing that was part of that core commander group. And I go investigate like this cavern and I run through all these serpent enemies. And then I come to this like big serpent boss that probably has 40 hit points and five <laughs> tiers of armor and these things. And I had ta- I had been doing such a shit job of managing my guys <laughs> that my squad was basically depleted up until I got to that moment. And then I was just like, oh, I'm, this is going to completely wipe my squad. But I ended up surviving through that just by the skin of my teeth because, you know, I had been putting so much uh, research into, you know, armor or, you know, additional med packs and these things or that sort of like uh, Kevlar armor that you can have equipped as an item as well. And it was those little things that I was doing and, you know, maybe retreating more than I would normally do. But at the same time, you know, it shows that this is a game that rewards both the player knowing when to be offensive or when to retreat and, you know, regroup. And even if that means that, you know, you essentially have to play uh, tag with some enemies for, you know, a couple of rounds, that can be the difference between life or death. And, you know, unless it was like that encounter where the serpent creature just ended up escaping or something, (laughs) uh, which I was kind of pissed about because I got him about three fourths of the way down in his health. But it was the type of thing where that was genuinely shocking and like legitimately scary because I was on the cusp of losing this squad that I'd been grinding with for the last six hours or so. Um, and I'm just such a fan of a game that will allow the player to take their fate into their own hands with the research route that they want to go or, you know, rewarding both offensive and defensive levels of play. But at the end of the day, they can still throw you that curveball that, you know, if you make one or two wrong moves, yeah. That's going to be game over for that squad. Yeah, it really is. Um, this brings me to something I was going to bring up anyway, which is um, obviously the obvious thing we should probably bring up being a horror game podcast is the horror aspect of this. Um, and there are so many little things in this that you know, creep you out, intimidate you. Um, I think the atmosphere very early on in Enemy Unknown, when you you know find that first grey and... It's in that very dark and gloomy warehouse, and that it really sets the mood. I think something that's lost a little in XCOM 2 is that sort of atmosphere. It doesn't feel so ethereal, I suppose, um, probably because it feels more lived in in terms of uh, the aliens by the time we get to XCOM 2. But then I think of other things, like um, one of the most terrifying things, I think, in the original was that you have the chrysalids, yeah, who do obviously appear again in two. But the mission where you are just basically facing waves of those fuckers and what they do, which is if they kill something, you know, it, it then infects them with eggs and then that grows more to them and like, oh, and they move so fast and they move so far and it's a nightmare. I think there's a particular mission you do, which is like on like a, a dock side like that and you're like all down there and it's really tense and, you know, it sticks out and like, in a game that is very much built on, you know, random areas, the, the set piece areas really do sort of come to mind because they, they feel exciting and one-off, you know, which is, I think it's a nice balance to have. If everything was random, it would feel a bit, you know, shrug of the shoulders. You know, it's a, 
So to have these concrete things that work. Um, BN2 as well, whenever the chrysalids show up, it's just like dread because they usually get a, a hit on you before you've ever got a chance to know that they were there. Um, the fact they burrow, the fact that, you know, they get you, you're poisoned and you've got to deal with it. If you don't have the right means to deal with it, you're fucked and it just goes on and on. Um, but also to adding the lost, yeah, you know, was a really cool move. Um, you know, they're essentially zombies, um, and fodder. And, you know, the, the mechanic they added to that, where if you kill one with a headshot, you can have another shot, have another shot. Cause if you, if you didn't, they would be hell. And they just come in swarms and waves and they don't care who they attack and what they attack. And the fact that you have to make noise. And if you make noise, it attracts them in these desolate sea areas. They are some of the spookiest, most ethereal areas you get in XCOM 2, those lost cities where everything has been abandoned and it's like a callback to the beginning of, you know, Enemy Unknown where those pods land and the gas comes out and that's the effect it had on the people. That they just became these husks and uh yeah, it adds real dynamic to those uh, battles when you are trying to fight the enemy and that, you know, as well. It's horrifying. Um Yeah, so that and the creature design in general is very just awe-inspiring and intimidating in a lot of cases where it just does stuff that makes you go, oh shit, it's that one. Like that, that they fill you with dread, you know, seeing a berserker, for instance, or, or seeing a sector pod, you know, one of the, seeing one of those is just like the most horrible, horrible thing, you know, and it's not like it's a monster in the traditional sense, it's a fucking walking tank, and it's just, <laughs> missions, especially if you've done things the wrong way around and it comes up before you've leveled up certain things or got certain items to pierce, you know, armor piercing rounds. Oh God, it, it's just, it can fuck up a mission so quickly. And the dread you feel is you know where this mission is going to go unless you just decide to escape and fail the mission, which, you know, again, very great thing to have an option like that, but off. Oh, yeah. So I suppose I'm going to ask you, um, what were your favorite sort of horror based things about XCOM, um, Jay? Some elements that I definitely agree with, right? I think those chrysalids are terrifying because they remind me of the arachnids from Starship mm. Troopers, which, you know, as much as I enjoy that movie and I don't typically, you know, I view it largely as a satire, the arachnids still like terrify me. And mm. that's probably just, you know, I don't like spider like creatures <laughs> and whatnot. So from that point, they are terrifying just on an aesthetic level. But more importantly, as you said, they are such heavy hitters that if one of them shows up in an area that you kind of ran past and then, you know, you make a second pass to go get either fill another objective that you need to, or like you kill an enemy and they drop a piece of gear and you're like, oh, well, I largely killed this uh, enemies in this area. So I'm going to go over there on a whim. And all of a sudden one of those comes out from around the corner. You like your stomach drops basically yeah. because it's like, you know what they're capable of. You know that, as you said, if you haven't researched adequately up to that point, you're going to be spending three rounds fighting with that fucker if you don't have armor piercing rounds or, you know, shredding explosives and whatnot. Um, and, you know, the fact that they can spawn uh, little babies or even full grown ones, I think, yeah. at a certain point uh, is equally terrifying. I'll say also the shape shifting enemies that are encountered in uh, oh, yeah. XCOM 2. Uh, I had completely, somehow I had completely blocked that out of my memory <laughs> and I was playing a mission earlier this week 
and it was rescuing civilians, which I think is the first time you ever encounter them. And I'd rescued all of them and they kept saying like, oh yeah, there's still an enemy in the area you have to kill. And I was like, I've been running through this map. There's nobody here. And then I ran next to the last civilian I saw that was standing there. And all of a sudden, they kind of just like start to shift and change. And then there's this, you know, 12 foot abomination that swings like a motherfucker that took out one of my guys. And it's legitimately a terrifying moment because, you know, while I had a majority of my squad left and we hadn't used a lot of equipment, so I could take them out fairly easily within, you know, a round or two. It was still the thing that, you know, the game threw this curveball at me that, if I wasn't really relying on what I've learned through just playing the game, if I decided to get, you know, a little carried away and just be like, well, I'm just going to go super aggressive because it's the last enemy. Chances are the die rolls are not going to be in my favor just because of how <laughs> XCOM has a tendency to work sometimes in those dire moments. But I love that the game, no matter how many hours you're into it, and more importantly, no matter how many playthroughs you've had in XCOM, you can never really truly feel safe, I no. find. Maybe that's just me, but I always find that diving into XCOM, I need to treat a majority, 85% of encounters, as if my guys all have one hit bar left. Because otherwise, you know, you get too cocky and then you find yourself, you know, with a squad wipe. Um, Neil, remind me with the lost, those zombie enemies, are you able to use them to bait? Can you bait them to attack other enemies? So, I mean, sort of, yeah. It's like, um, they'll be attracted to the nearest thing. So you, if you happen to find enemies in a certain area and make them attack you with some, say, I mean, it's a risk, but yeah, it's like they, they will go for them first. And, you know, but obviously the danger of it is you don't really know what they're going to do or where they're going to come from and what number. So it, it's, that's the thing that's always intimidating about that. It's like, while that is an on the fly decision you can make, everything has to kind of line up. It's like you, you can't really use them as a weapon very reliably. I could have sworn that I had used a, a grenade to lure them oh, yeah, yeah, to yeah. another group of guys. I'm pretty sure I had yeah, done that. Yeah. I, I, I want to double check before I ramble about sure, it. No, I, that I, just I mean, it no, it, it works because they are attracted to sound. So that, you know, that it makes sense to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just that they are not choosy about who they decide they're going to go on so they may sort of while the sound may attract them to a certain area where they're looking when they come in means they may just say oh no you like i'll go for you now instead Mm. but yeah um aaron what about you i think you covered a lot with the with the stuff about the lost i think that's one of that is one of my favorite things in xcom 2 uh that they have those those really do feel like um, just like mm. overwhelming, you know, it's like the same way that, you know, one zombie is never a problem, but you know, like you, the, when they come in hordes, that's when it really is, is trouble. And, um, that, that feeling of recreating that, like, you know, it's almost like that feeling you'd have in like a real time, yes. like shooter game of just being overwhelmed with zombies, but made into like a turn based, yeah. uh, turn based formula. And, and the way that they give you, like you said, the, the bonuses with being able to chain, chain kill them and that sort of stuff, um, really adds this tension to like, ooh, if I take, like, this isn't a great shot, but if I hit this shot, yeah. I'm going to be able to take another shot. Um, it's just, it's a really, a really smart thing that some other, uh, tactics games have, have, um, sort of, expanded upon um and and made into like normal gameplay stuff um but i also just think like 
some of the sometimes just going around a map like sometimes those bigger missions there's so much mm. like dread and tension of just like you've you've cleared out you've cleared out a squad and then you don't know what's around the next corner and like there's that you know you you, you truly are almost acting like you would in in like a real time scenario where it's like everybody stick close together because if somebody gets too far out you know they're going to be stranded by you know the squad that happens to activate and um and then that that feeling of like running into a new enemy yeah. you've never seen before um the the enemy types are all kind of blending for me between the, <laughs> the two games uh because i've played xcom 2 more recently and haven't uh you know it's been a while since I played the the original, but like, um, there are some enemy types that just like show up, and you're like, yeah. "What the hell is this?" And how do I even deal with it? And that's that's a it's like a true moment of terror. Um, and um, some and there's some stuff, even though like the story stuff hasn't always been my favorite, but there's there's some like body horror stuff in XCOM mm. 2 that's pretty pretty upsetting with the way they talk about how like you know they're experimenting on humans and all that sort of stuff um yeah there's some, there's some really cool stuff in dystopia there. sort of stuff you know beyond the you know we are under mm-hmm. alien rule but the idea that everyone's kind of cool with it and not really and kind of oblivious to yeah. what the aliens are doing to the general populace mm-hmm. and yeah that that has um <laughs> grown as a thing you know in the time since the game came out you know it's it came out at just the right time, I think, really, because you know the world in general has had a lot of that sort of false information just being accepted widely thing, and yeah, it, and having to fight back against that, and it feeling like a gargantuan task that is going to cost you heavily. Um, it's mm-hmm. surprisingly uh, prescient in that regard. I, I like that about it a lot. It's. Um, not like the reason I play it at all, you know, it's like it's even if it does have like uh, my favorite mechanism of any game is like the, the Mr. Smith goes to Washington vibe, which is like it's showing you what it could be like if someone really did just fucking stand up to things and really just went for it and it really just made people cave in. And you know, it wouldn't happen in real life quite the same way, but the same way you want to believe that, 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 that you know, it's going to happen and you want to believe that Jimmy Stewart's in your corner fighting for you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hope that you're not going to get elsewhere. <laughs> and it's, um, yes. And it can be doused and extinguished just the same in XCOM. And yeah, as I said, it <laughs> kind of revel in, in dread, you know, and that sort of thing. And the idea of it being doom and gloom. So it, it all works out. You know, the, the true horror of XCOM that none of us have mentioned yet, um, and I can't speak from place of experience because I'm too much of a coward to enable <laughs> it, but that's Iron Man mode, uh, which I'm curious if you – that's how you guys play through Always. XCOM typically. Always. Is it something that you guys have dabbled in before? Aaron, how about you? What about uh, – I guess I should preface for people that don't know. Iron Man mode basically has it so you only have one save file for a current campaign, and you know it automatically saves and updates that file – every single action you do so that way as i said cowards like me can't reload uh when they lose somebody that they've really created a bond with um but aaron are you a fan of iron man mode do you what do you find if you do use it that it adds to your xcom experience i usually save it for replays um 
I usually do that um, after the fact, like when I'm going through again, um, just to add a little extra challenge to it. Um, but even when I'm not using Iron Man mode, I don't really find myself reloading mm-hmm. saves that much. Like I have, I, I do that thing where you have like a network of like, you know, a whole <laughs> bunch of saves that you're constantly, yeah. you know, you end up with like 10 <laughs> saves that you're just constantly going through and rewriting. Um, but I often, I don't really find myself going back to them too much. It's like, I just like to have that safety net there just in case. Um, if something goes like critically wrong, like maybe I, I, I mess up and don't realize I was going to blow up a car yeah, yeah. and it takes out two <laughs> of my dudes. I, I won't reload the turn, but sometimes yeah. I'll just restart the yeah. whole mission or something like that. Um, but generally I save the Iron Man stuff for, for replay. Yeah, I mean, I think the exception for me was in Enemy Unknown. The first time round, because yeah, the first few times, in fact, because it was also alien to me that I did kind of need it to be just a I can go back, come back, learn my stuff. But I think that's a, a secret wonder of it, Dan, is that you can come at it again with different rule sets, and you know, especially in XCOM 2, where you can just mm-hmm. fine tune little details and make it harder or in one way or mm-hmm. and easier in another to you know focus on the things that you're good at. And maybe we cat whilst offering a new challenge. And yeah, but I just love Iron Man mode because it just offers that drama that we're talking about. This idea that yeah. anyone could die at any damn minute. You know, it makes Game of Thrones seem like, friendly. You know, it really does just, <laughs> you know, if there was an XCOM TV series, they'd have like a big name actor every week just getting killed off within the, the episode <laughs> that they turn up in. And, there's the potential for a red wedding every yeah, turn. Yeah, I say it's like out of nowhere. I mean, it it would be terrible as a story, but it would still, <laughs> be, um, you know, it'd be nice. I think it'd be a great gimmick if you were to do an XCOM show. It's just that, just get big name <laughs> in. Oh, this person's on this show, dead. <laughs> it's like ten minutes into the episode, um, after yeah. missing a point. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I like the star of the show is obviously the commander that nobody ever sees or hears. So it's like, and, but yeah, I, I like that about it. It just makes it all the more dramatic, makes the impact of what you do all the more dread inducing when you do something stupid, like thinking you're going to be smart, especially in XCOM 2 where you have the ability to sneak more and sneak around missions. And you think you're getting, if I can, I, you always, kind of want to get there and get to the end of a missionary and without alerting anything and just doing it right it's fucking hard uh, and you're guaranteed you're going to end up alerting anyway because by default but sometimes you'll do it and you'll just move that one tile too far to a place where you didn't think that <laughs> anyone would be and then that's it that kicks off one group and before you know it that sets off the group that you'd seen over there with the other two because you've split your team into two groups and you've done yourself. And and suddenly a situation that was going swimmingly has gone to the dogs. What are some additions? You know, we've been primarily talking about Enemy Unknown, but of course we've also mentioned Enemy Within, XCOM 2, War of the Chosen. Um, What are like some additions that have come up since Enemy Unknown through up into our current point that you guys have found is notable. Like for me, it'd be the hero classes mm-hmm. of War of the Chosen. Uh, the fact that, you know, it is largely a continuation, but it's not just that they're stronger foes, but again, there's always a check and a balance to XCOM. And it's like, okay, there are going to be these three essentially 
super enemies that are going to invade your games periodically, as Neil mentioned with uh, Enemy Within, right? There's that invasion of the base. Now you quite literally have this super soldier, if you will, that will invade a mission randomly, or there might be some indication that they're close to doing that or whatever. But every time they appear, it completely throws a wrench in the works and is uh, legitimately terrifying uh, for the (laughs) sake of my squad. Um, But I was a fan of the fact that, you know, the check and the balance of that is that you yourself can have these hero classes, which are these your own super soldiers, right? And, you know, the checks and balances, though, that come with those super soldiers is that, you know, you have to make a space for them in your squad, but you can't rely on them so heavily that you neglect actually, you know, the, the whole evolution of going from rookie to captain or whatever those different levels are to have these your own, you know, squad of badasses. Um, Aaron, what is like another addition since Enemy Unknown that has been incorporated that you find to be really a standout within XCOM? Yeah, I think I think the War of the Chosen expansion is is just mm. a, a masterpiece in creating like like the two things you just pointed out there are are so key in it. But like I think it's so hard to like separate them out because the, it's it's like they created with War of the Chosen this like perfect plate spinning simulator of just like constantly being like, Oh God, I have to, I have to start researching, you know, I have to start finding the chosen. Then, Oh God, I'm neglecting the mission. And I'm like, I have to send people out on these secret missions for each of these different, uh, these different factions that you're working with. And it's just this absolutely like wide network of, of things you have to consider. And, you know, even before you're even thinking about the, the actual, individual missions um and that's that to me is what what worked the best is that is that expansion and balance of the of the um of the like strategy and meta layer and again it's like what i think is so amazing about war of the chosen is it really like it it gives you all these tools it gives you so many tools to like make yourself better and improve yourself but it will always still have like interesting ways of of making you still feel like you're on the like knife's edge of of you know failing one wrong move and i think really like it's 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 not one thing that makes the war of the chosen for me like great it's just this absolutely beautiful Mm. combination of all of them because it's they just all sync together so well Uh, particularly like the chosen and the factions is just like an absolutely perfect um one two punch yeah i mean xcom 2 is basically unrecognizable once you get to that, and I think that's the credit mm-hmm. of that and enemy within that they really do just elevate the the base games to a whole new level. You're like, this is great, I love this game, and then this whole new other t- layer comes comes on top, and you're thinking, how do I ever love that car? Which this is much better, you know. It's like, uh, and it, it, <laughs> which is daft, yeah. but it really it's like because you you know you had the option to go back to base XCOM two, which is fine, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't feel right in a way. It lacks something. Once you've been introduced to these extra layers that War of the Chosen adds, it's like, wow. It's the same with the difference between Enemy Unknown to Within. It's like, once you have these, you know, extra soldier classes and you had the Exalt missions and that sabotaging stuff, I loved that. Loved it. It was great. But, um, yeah, it it makes it very difficult to go back to the base game. And that's the sign of a really great expansion, an expansion that fundamentally changes the game. Yeah, you know, and makes it something better. Yeah, you know, I think I don't think that's going to happen with, with Midnight Suns, for instance, because it ain't that. You know, it's not that kind of game. I think they can change it the same way 
maybe. But I, I think the way games have been made and go forward now with live service stuff, I don't think you get that kind of thing happen again, especially when 2K were involved, you know. Uh, I think it's um, always a troublesome sort of mix. But So while I'm here, to, I will add my point on this subject, <laughs> which is to say, yeah, I just love the idea, like I said, of adding extra factions um, or like I said, Exalt in Enemy Within, great. Um, adding mech classes, things like that, and adding fucking literal robots to XCOM 2 as well, which was like almost hidden away at points. And as another thing I like in the DLC, which is where you get those mutation variants of the you know, the snake, the berserker, etc., like that, those big boss enemies mm-hmm. that really fuck up missions badly, yeah. they, they're the most terrifying thing of all, I think, because... If they show up, you know, they have these weakened move when you've made a move every time like that. And it's just like, oh, yeah. God, it's mm-hmm. just horrifying when you it really shakes you out of that established pattern. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I turn it off now because like, <laughs> just because it, it's an extra layer I don't want to deal with most of the time. But, yeah, it, it really does just shake you up nicely. But it's always little things. I think really when it all comes down to it, it's just those little details that add personality to what you're doing, like you know, the ability to sort of zoom into every room on the Avenger and sort of see what your team are doing in that room and just like the extra personalization and the bonds and being able to make little propaganda posters and see them show up in the game world. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like that. I, I love that stuff. Every little thing that gets added from that originally um one other small thing i i remembered is i really like the fact that xcom 2 plays around with a lot of like time limit missions where you have turn limits because like you know it's very easy to get in the habit of like in the first in xcom enemy unknown it was very easy to get in the habit of moving very slowly overwatch you know you you move your space you overwatch you move your spaces you overwatch or you 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 move very you know and it this this oh, yes. shakes you out of that. It like forces you to 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 shake out of that. Like it's 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 like you know you you have a you have your field of enemies and it's like well I could just kind of hunker down here but like I have two turns to get through this so I absolutely can't I absolutely don't have time and I think that that is a really smart way of shaking up the shaking up the structure and forcing you to play in a different yes. way than you're comfortable with. Um, which you know, uh, I, I think I don't remember where I heard this recently, but somebody was, somebody was talking about it and comparing it like almost like the difference between like Dark mm. Souls and Bloodborne, where it's like you know you have this like the shield and stuff in uh, you know Dark Souls that lets you like sit there and tank and and wait for your shot, whereas Bloodborne it's like you got to be yeah. fast, you got to be on the front, gonna, but, yeah, know, that's you're going to get it, wrecked. It, it's yeah, working on the fly um, in those missions is exhilarating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, forcing you, forcing you to be more aggressive, and again, that's something other games have iterated on, and in, in like finding ways to to get you to turtle less and and be aggressive more. Um, and I think that's that's one of the more exhilarating yeah, parts. Yeah, I think it's XCOM a nice natural well. evolution as well. I think everything that the games have done mm-hmm. since Enemy Unknown, Fire Exodus is one is sort of gently introduce you to new ideas from what you've learned from the last one and that's what I like about it it's never departing too far from what it was doing and it makes you feel happy which is why which is why Chimera Squad is disappointing for me because 
it, it now, especially now, feels like no, no, you, you didn't make this to sort of do more XCOM, really. You made this as a stopgap to figure out what you were going to do with Midnight Suns. Uh, and it, more than ever, it feels like that. Competent as a game, does all the things for Axis, does really well. It just does, the, the systems they use in that game does not work for me at all. I mean, you know, you have actual characters, hero characters, not people, you know, not randoms. And that, that's such a big part of why I love XCOM. So to have a squad of just like, no, these are your guys. This, this guy's named Bob. He's a snake and like all that sort of shit. It's like great. But you know, now I know that all the things I like, Iron Man, personalized characters, random nature, everything are all stripped mm-hmm. away. So yes, side experiment, not a mainline game. So you can kind of shrug your shoulders and accept it and see why they were doing it now, especially with Midnight Suns. And that's why I'm more accepting of what Midnight Suns is going to do. Um, but yeah, it, when you get more XCOM announced and it's not the XCOM you want, it is just a tad disappointing. <laughs> so. Well, we've mentioned Midnight Suns now twice. And I was curious about Chimera, you know, whether or not that was, because that was the one XCOM game I have never played. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, without really focusing on Midnight Suns, but thinking about a potential future for the next XCOM, right? Because while Firaxis is not doesn't have that on the docket, it's hard to imagine that they're not going to be returning to XCOM at some yeah. point in the future or, you know, it, the property being picked up again. So, you know, while Chimera Squad maybe served as a testing ground for mechanics that, you know, didn't work for Neil, uh, perhaps they worked better for Aaron than Neil, maybe they didn't. But, you know, I guess for our closing kind of question, um, what would you guys want to see in the next iteration of XCOM? Like, what is a facet that you find could be improved upon or perhaps just expanded upon uh, based on what we've received uh, so far? Aaron, do you have anything on that uh, dream bucket list for an XCOM 3? It's interesting because in, in some respects, this is like this is like always the age-old question of like, what what do you want from a sequel? Because like... The, like you know, in some respects, it would be nice to have more of the same. Like, you know, we, we like what we like and, and you know, we'd like to get another one that's pretty much just the same, but with, you know, fancier graphics and a couple of extra layers. Um, but, like, there was part of me that did appreciate Chimera Squad um, because it kind of um, took it in a new, like, it was, like, completely both stylistically and gameplay-wise completely different and, and kind of learned from other games. Like, it was it was... I appreciated that it was a smaller scale thing. Like it almost felt like there was like, um, I don't know. They were learning from other, from other tactics games out there and doing and and trying different things um, that, you know, obviously didn't work for Neil worked for me for the most part. um, If I kind of divorced it from, you know, a huge mainline XCOM game. Um, uh, But I, I don't really know what I want from it in in some respects. Um, like I love XCOM, but I would love to see this type of game, um, you know, applied to maybe a different, some other different framework like that. There's been a lot of interesting games like um, Gears Tactics evolved yeah. on the um, on the formula in in some really important ways by doing things like um, 
adding an extra action point, like, you know, uh, and not making you end your turn after you fire. And it, and it, and it like, like I was saying with the thing about time limit pressures, um, it, it really forced you to be more aggressive. Um, and the same thing with, um, what was, what is my favorite of the, of the non XCOM tactic games that I played, like the big grand ones, um, was like Warhammer 40 K chaos gate demon hunters, which is super long. Yeah, for sure. Um, that one did the same thing with mm. the three action points. And that, that game did an amazing job of just like, that has like a really neat power curve because like, you really feel like a badass. You got, You've got, um, you know, you got three action points. You've got the like thing, thing like in Gears Tactics where you can, um, do like a glory kill that refreshes your action points. Um, that sort of stuff. Um, I like, I would like to see in some ways, I, I like the fact that XCOM Chimera Squad, um, was a smaller scale. And I'm wondering if there's like different things they could learn from like, um, smaller like mm-hmm. roguelike th- type things or something like that take out like there you know there's definitely permadeath and stuff like that that you could that they take from roguelikes and stuff like that but um i'm i'm just wondering if there's like some smaller like another one i've another tactics game probably you know another like all-time favorite game for me is yeah. the breach which is a very small scale um you know very very small scale tactics stuff that's almost more mm. of like a puzzle game puzzle roguelike tactic game um that i just absolutely adore um and i think in to me chimera squad took some stuff from that um like this like small scale little bitty battles rather than big ones um but um I just don't know what else I'd want from a new XCOM aside from just more <laughs> XCOM. <laughs> you know, sometimes you don't really know unless uh, until they until they like you know present it to you. You don't really that that's always the hard part again about making sequels is like well you yes, just don't really know exactly. what they want until they're given yeah. it. Sometimes <laughs> Either, the, the only thing they can ask for is just yeah. give me more of that. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll say uh, you know, a brief aside. You know, Into the Breach coming to iPhone has resulted in me missing uh, my bus stop <laughs> more than once, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back to XCOM, yeah. You know, XCOM is the type of thing where at this point, it's not the type of game that I feel needs some kind of like major overhaul, right? right. Because then that would fundamentally right. strip away elements that have made XCOM the namestay that it is in turn-based strategy titles. But to Aaron's point, right, I think that there's definitely elements of the just core base mechanics that, you know, unless it was somebody that is a hardcore fan of these games, such as, you know, people like us that, you know, really appreciate it for the fact that, you know, it has, the game from afar has looked the same since enemy unknown, you know, that's an oversimplification, but just for, you know, mainstream audiences, it's like, okay, well that looks like the game did uh, 10 years ago, but obviously playing the game as thoroughly and as often as we have, we know that, you know, the mechanics have had an overhaul with each iteration since enemy unknown, I would hope that with an XCOM 3 that they would be making small incremental changes to the gameplay, such as Aaron has mentioned, um, that you know would allow gameplay to, if anything, give the player more options or learning and further mastering these gameplay tactics that then they can you know exploit, essentially, right? I think that not ending your turn when you shoot, right? Stuff like that is adds a whole new facet to gameplay and giving the player more options. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that I would want from you know that maybe could be viewed as drastically changing is the approach to missions per map i would prefer maybe i don't know if it needs more variety in terms of what you're doing whether it's you know rescuing vips 
hacking a terminal or, you know, trying to save as many people as you can. But I feel like there needs to be maybe a layer to missions that adds a little more, I don't know, consequence, if you will. (laughs) Not that XCOM is short on consequences for the player, but, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say that there's a primary and a secondary objective and it's like, well, I can't, I'm not in a place where I feel I can fulfill both of those. But at the same time, you know, maybe there is some sort of consequence for not fulfilling both of those missions. And it's not a massive thing. It doesn't result in a death or, you know, uh, basically you have to nuke your current campaign. But perhaps, you know, next time you go in to fight the enemy, they have a slight boost or advantage of some sort, which then would push the player to, you know, furthermore, think about their strategy going into each mission. Mm -hmm. And, okay, well, if I tackle both of these, I'll be in a better place for the next mission if I don't and I slip up, okay, so I've still beat the mission. I've accomplished my main objective, but now I have to be wary of the next fight that I go into. They've got an extra health bar. They've got an extra you know, action point or something like yeah. that. Again, small little things that would further aid the strategic element of the game, but it's not necessarily rewriting anything. No. So for my list of things, uh, imagine I'm just getting a large notepad out here. Um, <laughs> so something that Chimera did really well Chimera Squad did really well was uh, the breach system which I really like that would be great mm-hmm. I think that would work really well in terms of like uh, setting up a combat thing that makes it feel more Rainbow Six-esque in terms of uh, getting in and trying to get the front foot on an attack it works perfectly like it absolutely as do I like the idea of hybrid characters um appearing more it makes sense in a world i want it to be terror from the deep because that's what they teased and they teased that and they're going to make other games in the meantime and by the time we get it no one's going to remember that um i one of the things that i picked up on in the midnight sun stuff is they're talking about how there's lots of the characters hanging out together in between missions and like building bonds that way and like having stuff that relates to that. I would love that, you know, to be in an XCOM. Uh, yeah, that would just make it that side of the game work so much more, especially if you're going to keep the key elements of it, which are you must have Iron Man mode, permadeath, etc. You know, you must have all that. You, you have to because it doesn't work without that. You, and I think you can take everything that XCOM 2 and War of the Chosen did and expand upon that. You know, Gears Tactics is a great example of what I think that's probably my favorite non-XCOM XCOM. Like, and I don't even care that much for Gears. It's like, but it's, I mean, it's, same here. Yeah, yeah, it's my favorite Gears game because mm. it, it just does stuff. And one of the good things it does beyond you know, on a, a tactical level is boss fights actual fucking boss fights you know like i know the chosen are great for that but they feel like the end point of a normal mission you know rather than their own special thing still they're not a spectacle no, no, no. it's like i mean yeah you do that run you you consolidate your squad in that first part of the mission to make sure you get through their base and then the second part is like just making sure you've kept enough to get through that never had a problem with those missions on my ad but yeah what i loved about gears you know is that they would throw you in these mission you know these boss fights against all sorts like the brumax and stuff and like brilliant i like that to put that in a turn-based strategy and make it feel as epic and 
challenging as anything in the main series, you know, you know, in terms of like fighting big enemies and stuff like that. Great. You know, and I think that's because Gears isn't too far off understanding what, you know, turn-based strategy is because a lot of it is like hide, make a decision, do it like that. And like that. And you're just doing it in real time rather than do it, doing it in turn-based. So it ends up being a very natural adaptation. Um, I don't want like a whole lot of story extra, you know, in between missions. I don't want like special dialogue, you know, where they're chatting about stuff like that. I like the idea of having outside voices telling, you know, giving you exposition about certain things that you discover. Mm. Um, so yeah, I like the idea of, from what I was saying about the Chimera Squad and like Terra from the Deep, like aliens and humans coming together to face a common threat you know, from the deep, so to speak, and going against that. I like that that's the natural progression of this, you know, the hokey sci-fi story that they're telling is like, you know, the aliens evaded, the aliens took over, the, the humans defeated the aliens, and now there's a new danger. And so the aliens and the humans must team up to face this new enemy. And I'd like to build on that tension. You know, it's like that not everyone is going to be A-OK with being with aliens and humans you know, uh, I like that so that I'll say I hope the the hope that XXCOM is a little weird yeah I mean that's you know, got, it's got what it. has been here is perfectly yeah. fine I just want them to maybe get a little weirder yeah. uh, and break that mold and I think Terra from the Deep would be you know the uh, clearly as Neil said right that's what it was hinted at the end of XCOM 2 but you know just maybe as much and you know I said earlier how much I enjoy the creature design but I just need something now if this being the third main installment continuation something a little weirder something that leans into some of those horror elements that we've all yeah. mentioned what's about underwater horror underwater horror uh, I mean there's got to be plenty of that I mean it makes sense for what it is just it would tap into a whole new area of stuff that would just be amazing you know and incorporate you know, water and that, how that can affect you know, the fight. You know, can an area be flooded if you do damage to a certain area? But, and what cost would that be? That could be a really cool sort of element that you would have in it. Um, who that benefits, of course, would be a thing, of course, because you know you would be in their sort of area. But yeah, I, I just think that a dynamic that, that explores the, the advantages and disadvantages of dry land and water might make that a really strong, strong sequel. Unfortunately, we don't know when we'll get to see the next installment of an XCOM. Uh, maybe Midnight Suns will uh, inspire them a little bit in terms of what they could add, whether it be gameplay mechanics or otherwise. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, 10 years later, I think it's safe to say that uh, not only XCOM anyone unknown, but XCOM in general, yeah. you know, has consistently evolved and if anything i would go so uh, so far as to say you know continues to perfect the xcom experience with every entry uh granted i didn't play chimera squad so i'll reserve judgment on that <laughs> but it's definitely something that i want to check out at some point in the future but yeah i mean we've been talking about doing an xcom episode forever and you know i think aaron proved that uh he was the best guest to have on to uh <laughs> indulge in our uh xcom ramblings and whatnot so aaron as always it's a pleasure having you on to chat uh you know in this case xcom but horror in general yeah thanks again for having me thank you for listening to another episode of safe room if you enjoy the show please rate us on itunes and follow us on twitter at safe room pod for show updates 
You can also drop us an email over at saferoompod at gmail.com if you'd like to share your thoughts on a game we're going to cover. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next Monday.